Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Greetings, Blenders, and welcome to episode number 48 of Real Blend, a podcast that actually got Clint Eastwood to make a terrible wood pun this week. That was me. It was you. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing director of Cinema Blend, and I'm very excited to introduce you to the co-hosts of Real Blend, starting with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago, who stole my thunder because he is the one who got... Mr. Eastwood, to make this horrific pun. Jake, please take credit for that right now. I thought it was fantastic. To be fair, you could <laughs> say that Diane Weist did it because she referred to him as an old piece of wood to which he said, right. no, right. I'm an old piece of Eastwood. <laughs> and it was, it, and luckily that was the end of my interview because if it weren't, I still would have just walked out because I just would have said, that's it. I'm done. I quit. I also love that show on HBO that she stars in, uh, Weast World. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Well, I, was, I don't mean to steal the, from the Thunder, oh, from the master of puns. So happy. Kevin McCarthy. Honestly, God. Five in DC. Sean, what Hi, did Kevin, I say? I walk out and I went, he del- he gave me a Kevin McCarthy pun. Didn't uh, I say yeah. that see, in the hallway when I walked out? See, and all this proves is that the pun game is strong within within brilliant minds, like Glenn yeah. Eastwood. That's all, that, that, that is, that's awesome. That I makes me really happy because I would think I would never ever think Clint Eastwood would do puns like that, and that makes me uh, that that makes him even cooler. My book, it really does. And I hope uh, you know now that whenever I hear a pun, Kevin, my first thought is, "Oh, I cannot wait to tell Kevin about this." <laughs> <laughs> I, I just uh, I just love that Eastwood did that. It makes me so happy. We are starting out uh, this week's episode with some show notes. Uh, not exactly news just yet, but I want to let everybody know. That this is going to be our last show that's broadcast live to the Facebook page. Um, And the show itself is not over by any stretch. Obviously, this is episode number 48. We're building towards 50 and we're going way beyond that. We are still going to have basically the same show every week and it's going to be available on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and pretty much all of the podcast apps out there. And you can even stream the show uh, right in your browser on Cinema Blend's site. So feel free uh, to go there for that. But if you are one of the few people that only listen to us on the Facebook, we don't want to lose you at all. So just be sure that you grab the show on one of those services. Uh, A lot of people get us through Google Play. A lot of people are using their Android devices to download us. We're really, really thankful about that. Of course, if you have any questions about how to get the show moving forward, uh, hit us up on social at RealBlend, or you can drop producer Gabe an email at RealBlend at CinemaBlend.com. He'll work with you to make sure um, that you figure out a way to get the stream, because we have a lot of really, really exciting things planned for uh, 2019 and beyond, so we really hope that you guys continue you to stick with us and like 99.9% of people who listen to our podcast listen to it on our on our downloadable platform which is kind of exactly why it has nothing to do with the show itself as Sean's saying we're just we're just trying to divert all of our work process towards where people are listening to it which is exactly yeah. what what the point is so absolutely absolutely yeah. so a lot to get to this week uh, we are going to get into the SAG awards which recently dropped and are shaping the Oscar race in new ways so because of that we will have rising and falling and talking about some of the new movies that we've been able to see that are awards contenders we are going to review Aquaman uh, now that the um, embargo lift has been up on that. Uh, we're going to get into the Avengers Endgame trailer, which we haven't talked about yet. And we want to talk about Brightburn, the new trailer that looks like evil Superman because we have some Air very strong Steel. opinions. 
It's, it's a mean, mean of steel. I'm going to throw that out there. No? That's Nothing. good. Uh, right. That's pretty good. That's right. pretty good. That's pretty good. That's but before we get to that, uh, reviews. We have a review. What, what a smattering of compliments that was. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, From, yeah, uh, someone named His Disciple 319, which um, I think is really clever of Kevin's mom because not yeah. only is she diverting us by using his yeah. and making us think it's a guy, mm. but now she's pulling random numerical codes, 319, to distract from the fact that Kevin's yeah. mom writes all of these reviews. And to give a little background to that, I mean, I, I make a joke every week. Anytime we get a review and it's sent in our text <laughs> chain, I say that my mom has somehow written that review. Or if we get a ton of downloads on a show, I say my mom uh, bought a bunch of brand new computers with new IP addresses and downloaded every version of it. I'm joking, clearly. But yeah, this one in particular, I was like, my mom's really kind of stepping up her game and adding 319 to the end of this one. Very, well, very, try, try and throw us off, right? We're all does worried. your mom actually listen to our podcast? <laughs> I actually don't know that she does. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. <laughs> the true irony of it. <laughs> she knows I have a it. podcast. I just don't know that she knows how to download it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that makes sense. Well, uh, this one is called My Favorite Podcast, and it says, I wish this was a daily podcast. Well, you know who doesn't wish that is Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe would die if this was daily. Breaking news, Gabe. We're going to uh, daily. It's equally <laughs> fun as it is informative to listen to the conversations between three friends who are truly passionate about film. I started listening to the podcast about a month ago, and I am eager to listen to each new episode on my commute to work. Keep it up, guys. And Dunkirk in all capital letters and mm. exclamation point. This is Dunkirk. Dunkirk makes me so I'm just so happy that that is actually a tag at the end of people's reviews. That's really cool. And that means people listen to our entire show if you think about it. Well, like that's, well, the, thought, that's the yeah. last thing we say. I mean, like the thing about like podcasts or, or anything online, people can listen to a middle of it and then get back to it later or just stop yeah. listening. That it's means like people are going to watch Roma when it hits Netflix. Oh, see, <laughs> see that, that cuts deep. Jake. Jake, I'm joking. Jake, no Jake. one's going to watch Roma when it hits Netflix. Jake gets mad when we joke that if he doesn't love a movie that we say he hates it. I actually think Jake hates Roma. No, I just hate it. I know. I just hate how much everyone else loves it because I <laughs> don't. So and if good. I can't be happy, I don't want anyone else to be happy. But it's so good. Is it though? Really yeah, See, no, I would go and I, I bet you that, and I, I don't know if Jake will actually answer this, I bet you Jake thinks Aquaman's better than Roma. Wait, no, what did you tweet at me? Kevin tweeted in the text chain a Venom photograph, Over and then he did the, oh, wait, the wait, greater don't than... That, don't bring that one up. Is that, I don't think that review embargo is lifted yet, the other movie oh, interesting. About to interesting. Yeah, I don't mention that yet. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. then that's a nice little mystery we just yeah. dropped yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What but movie I is do, not as good as Venom? <laughs> I do agree that the movie, the unsaid film here, which we will reveal on another podcast, yeah. I think Venom is better than this okay, movie. Okay, Kevin, not, rank, not Roma. rank Children of Men, Gravity, and Roma. Uh, good question. It's a good question. Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, they're all amazing. I but mean, if you I had would, gun to your head, if you had to rank them, ranking them, I'd probably go Gravity, Roma, Children of Men. Interesting. I think I'd go yeah. Children of Men, Gravity, Roma. I think Roma. See, now to clarify, I think Children of Men is a more rewatchable film and a more maybe possibly entertaining movie in the sense of that it's more thrilling. Roma is a slow burn that I'm just astounded by the filmmaking of it. And I mean, we can get into the the details of that later on, but Roma is definitely going to be a 
it's a very detail-oriented watch. It's a ve- it requires every bit of your attention. Um, and I think from a filmmaking standpoint, I think Rome is the is the most is the second best movie he's ever made. I think okay, let me, is the best. Let me movie. ask you this. So I think we both we, we all know that we live in a world in which the Rousseau brothers will not be nominated for best director, unfortunately. Right. Though I think they should because for what they pulled off of the Infinity Wars, Agreed. astounding. Rousseau brothers are nominated for best director in theory, hypothetically. Uh huh. Bradley Cooper's nominated for Best Director. Alfonso Cuaron is nominated for Best uh-huh. Director. Who do you give it to? Out of those three? Yeah. Uh, well, my number two of the year is Star is uh, is Stars Born, so I'd give it to Bradley Cooper. Would you give it to Cooper? I think I'd still give I'd love to live in a world where at least Rousseau's got oh. some acknowledgement for what they pulled off as a director. Dude, I would Dress love it. I would be ecstatic if the Rooster Brothers won Best Director. I, I have zero problems with that, but... In my opinion, the the more deserving of the of the three would be the uh, C- Cooper because Peter Farrelly is going to win it. So just get used no. to this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Here's the deal: I love the idea that Peter Farrelly is now all of a sudden this guy that's going to be not invited to the Oscars. I think that's fantastic. I just don't. And I, I and we, we we've touched on Green Book. I don't want to get back to, into it. It's a perfectly pleasant film. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, good. Very what what way there it, for Peter Farrelly's Oscar direction. clip? For his Oscar clip, when he gets his Best Director nomination, what if it's Jeff Daniels on the toilet? Oh, my God. Peter Farrelly. And then they just cut to him, and he goes, ah. Someone, And and, and Kevin's head just explodes, and we have to replace him on Real Blend. To this day, I still think that Jeff Daniels deserves an Oscar nomination for Dumb and Dumber. I'm sorry. He does. He's phenomenal in that film. If you actually take it and look at him in real life, as dramatic as he really is, and then look at that scene in all of Dumb and Dumber – he deserves an Oscar nomination. That okay, it is, performance is amazing. It has been a while since we had a podcast, and a lot of stuff happened um, while we were away. So we're going to do some catch up. We're going to uh, rip through some news items that dropped, and these are all just Wait, huge Sean, items that I want people's comments on. Yes, it, I, I still haven't gotten what? an answer from Jake on that question. What's Jake, which one is Aquaman better than Roma? I want to know your answer to that. Better. Or what? No, which no. one would I rather just, watch? No. What is the better film? Because like, you just asked me to rank. No, I think, I think I would probably say Roma – no, I wouldn't. I'm probably – I would say Roma is the better film. Which one would I sit, rather sit down and watch again? Aquaman by a mile. Wow. Okay, all right. Well, all right. That's all I wanted to know. Let's move on. The no, but trailer- which, one is, which one is more artistically made? Which one is better directed? Which one is, is, is more like well-crafted? Obviously Roma. The trailer for Avengers Endgame dropped, and it was uh, highly anticipated – and I found it very interesting for um, the amount of stuff that it got away with not showing. Uh, and I heard through the grapevine, I don't know how accurate this is going to be, but I've been told that – and I even forget who told me this. I've been told that the marketing team for Avengers Endgame will never have more than the first 15 minutes of the film to work with. Um, wow. And, so, and, and truthfully – why would they need anything else, right? Like, what yeah. are you showing in the in an Avengers trailer that says, I was on the fence, you know? Oh, but Paul yeah. Rudd's in this? Okay, I'm going. So, That's great. a great point. That's right? Great. Because great? for them, trailers are no longer to convince us to go see it as much as they are to, conv- like, to remind us of when it's coming out and that it exists. Sure. So what, we, what was your take from the Endgame trailer? Did it do anything for you guys? I liked how low-key it was. Though then again, I also watch... 
Marvel trailers with hesitation because remember the the final money shot of the last trailer for Infinity War that shot up all of them running together in Wakanda was yep. never even in the movie. It wasn't even in a situation where it could have been in the movie because the Hulk was in it. So right. I watch all of those trailers and it's cool to sort of see maybe some stuff we're going to see in the movie, maybe some stuff we're not. But I really don't pick it apart like I do a Star Wars trailer because I just think we may not even see this. This scene may have just been crafted for the trailer. We may not even see. It might be in totally misdirection. Though if it goes by what you're saying, I imagine it's going to be less misdirection because they won't have as much to misdirect with. Yeah. Wait, can I, can I clarify something you just said, Sean? Does that sure. mean everything we saw in the Endgame trailer was only the first 15 minutes of the movie? If what I've heard is accurate, then yes. Okay, Which so, kind of makes sense because you would have two storylines that are essentially picking up from where Infinity War left off. You would have Tony Stark in space trying to get right. home and you'd have Captain America and Black Widow sort of regrouping after they lost everybody they lost. Right. Now, the only thing I found really interesting that this is a theory that I believe in when you watch the Scott Lang footage and this is spoilery. If anybody doesn't want to hear this tune away, but come back, I'm not quite sure. But the Scott Lang footage um, tells us two things. One, he got out of the quantum realm, which is right. where he got left at the end of Ant-Man. Um, but in the top corner of it, it says archive footage, right? Oh. And the the wording of the way that Cap and Black Widow talk to each other, uh, Cap says, is this, a, is this a recent video? And Widow doesn't say whether it's recent. She just says, that's the front door. So because it says archive in the top, some people believe that Scott Lang might have emerged from the quantum realm in the past and went to Avengers facility and oh, knocked wow. and said, yeah, knocked. And he was like, hey, it's Scott. I'm here. But it's not happening in the moment when Black Widow and Captain America are actually That's really there. Interesting. Now, That's maybe it's not true. Deep. Yeah, right. Maybe it's not true. But I believe that time travel is going to be a big component of Endgame. Uh, sounds like Christopher Nolan wrote that theory. Like yes. that, he like, submitted some theory on a blog, <laughs> under an anonymous name, like Dunkirk Fan 101. That's and, amazing. Like, he, and he, and he put he's that a Reddit troll in between <laughs> he's movies. Like, he's just trolling people with Inception ideas. <laughs> no, but the uh, the Endgame trailer I thought was incredible. Um, uh, first of all, I will say this: uh, seeing Cap and Cap cry was pretty brutal. Um, yeah. Like, uh, there's something about that character crying, especially considering the events of the end of Infinity War. Um, and just that line that Scarlet, and I, I always find it really emotional when they use their real names. Like when she calls him Steve, like mm-hmm. I always find, it just kind of makes me like, it just makes it so Reminds grounded. you that you're, they're human. Exactly. I think, I think it's such an interesting thing how powerful just a name can be used. Like, I mean, Captain America is such a, is such a, uh, a huge presence. And when you break it down to just Steve and then he's like, and then what does she say to him? Uh, is this going to work? And he goes, it's going it to work. Yeah. She says, it's I don't, gonna I don't work. know what's going to. Happens, right. it doesn't. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to do if it doesn't. I love that line. Infinity War, kind of going back to what Jake was saying, I think Infinity War, in my opinion, it, I think it deserves Best Picture nomination. I know it's yeah. not going to happen, but, you know, that movie is close to perfect. Uh, it's it's absolutely, it's amazing. The juggling of the of the editing of that. Uh, Endgame, um, I think, is a great title. I, yeah. I think that there's, I think, I think it speaks to what's going to happen. I mean, I'm still, especially because of uh, Dr. Strange's line at the end of infinity war. He says, we're in perfect. the end game now. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Now yep. here's what blows my mind. Um, I go back to one of our earlier episodes this year where we had Rob Liefeld on for Deadpool two. I still, I, I repeat his theory at least once a week. It's a great theory. I mean, for people who haven't heard that episode, Rob Liefeld, his theory, which I think is brilliant is everybody who disintegrated in 
Infinity War is actually still alive. Anybody who didn't disintegrate are the ones who are going to die. Um, but if, and, 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 and Rob's theory makes perfect sense because everybody who disintegrated still has future movies coming out. That's yeah. Chadwick. That's Chadwick. That's Tom Holland. Um, so, Doctor Strange. Chris Pratt, right? Doesn't he disintegrate as well? And yeah, then the ones the who Guardians. are left, Cap, Iron Man, the original core Avengers, yep. we, we, there's theories that they're not going to continue on. So, yeah. I mean, that, and, and then maybe, I, I don't know what that's gonna, how that's going to play out, but I mean, maybe maybe Thanos' snap, maybe the maybe the horrifying nature of wiping out half the planet is having your emotional weight of watching someone die in front of you, but they're not really dying. You're the one who's dying. I think that's just really deep. <laughs> what I, what I think is truly incredible, too, about it is this movie is months away and we have no idea whatsoever. And they yeah. are keeping it as close to the vest as they can. And I think that that's fantastic. So, uh, so I know I was following social media over the weekend. Um, I think there was a Spider-Man Far From Home trailer that premiered, I think, in Brazil or Brazil, somewhere. At, at Brazil uh, Comic-Con, yeah. So has there been a description release? Was Tom Holland in the trailer? <laughs> I, I've heard that it does not address the events of Infinity War at all. Oh. Right. It, it just picks up as if it were a Spider-Man sequel. See, I, man. And he's I, essentially like, boy, I got to go on vacation. I'm going to Europe with my classmates. Yeah. By the way, I think it's odd. Did you guys we? have? Did Cinema Blend have someone there? No, you know we did not go to Brazil Comic Con. No, no one. And we were all poised to that trailer drop on Saturday, and it yeah. came. And and instead, they had a Mysterio, you know, description of what Jake Gyllenhaal is going to look like in his costume. But um, yeah, they're just the the answer to the big question of how on earth are you guys going to market this, given the fact that Infinity War painted you into a corner, is just. We're going to ignore what Infinity War did, and we're going to treat this as a sequel to Homecoming. Can you explain to me why it was a breaking news story that Jake Gyllenhaal joined Instagram and confirmed that he was Mysterio? I thought we knew he was Mysterio months ago. I thought that I was guess, like a – we all I guess guessed. the studio never said it. I guess the okay. studio never never officially said it. So this is just okay. him coming out and saying for sure it's him. So um, that wasn't I really breaking news. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears to a trailer that we're divided on, which is the Brightburn trailer. Um, and this is a – a movie that James Gunn is producing and no one really knew what it was going to be. They were going to have a big splashy presentation of Brightburn at Comic-Con. And then this is when uh, the James Gunn story broke and he lost uh, Guardian. So that so that went under uh, the radar for a little while about what this movie was. And now they finally decided it's time to to reveal the trailer and give everybody an idea. And the, the sense is that the log line for it is, what if Superman came to our planet and ended up becoming a force of evil? It's a, it's a Superman horror movie, and I'm intrigued by that concept, and I really, really liked the trailer because the imagery speaks so very clearly to the Superman myth. It's the cornfields of the Midwest, uh, direct, blatant images of him hovering six inches off the ground with his cape sort of billowing, the different powers that it suggests that this boy is going to have. It literally just looks like uh, Elizabeth Banks um, is playing the mom in this family that uh, cannot have children and have prayed that God will somehow send them a child. You see the spacecraft coming down. It's literally, it's literally the Superman myth just with one quick twist. What if instead of becoming a, a savior on our planet, he becomes a, a horrific He, he becomes threat. what we were always afraid that he might become. 
I, I was doing some research on this, and I, like Elizabeth Banks's character, um, her favorite Robert Zemeckis film of all time is actually called Flight Burn, and I was like, I was blown away by the detail that they went into to kind of build these characters. That wasn't even it's good, dude. And have them grounded. Yeah, <laughs> but Kevin, you don't like this trailer. You think it's a Man of Steel ripoff? Well, here's the thing. So uh, I, I actually didn't know much about Brightburn. I remember, it, I remember it being um, the trailer coming out, and Gabe was like, "You should watch this." So I watched it. It, it, it's literally Man of Steel in the sense of the text that comes up on the screen with like the light that flashes. It's very Warner Brothers. I know it's Sony, but it's very Nolan Snyder-esque font. Uh, the music feels like Hans Zimmer. There's like a scene where they're driving in an old beat-up truck just like Kevin Costner's in Man of Steel. I mean, I'm assuming that's the idea. was to, to But, it, but it, it feels like a, an exact copy of Man of Steel but then he turns into a horror film. So I don't know why I want to see it. Um, also, how is Sony getting away with using a likeness like that? I mean, Warner Brothers is DC Comics. Um, and but I mean, you, I, you, you can't, you can't sue someone for making a similar film. I mean, they're not using the name Superman. They're not using the Superman right. logo. They're not using the score. I mean, they, different the studios story. make similar films all the time. Dude, the, every, every slasher horror film it has the same okay. general. Like, you can't, you can't sue someone because... You took a similar idea that we had and then made it the opposite. It I mean, reminds there's, there's me no- of, of an incredible line from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is a movie that for some reason we quote often on this I podcast. I can't, I can't quite understand yeah. why. And Chris Rock says, I think George Lucas is going to sue somebody. <laughs> yeah. Dude. I think about that line often. Can, you, can we still – can we take a second <laughs> to realize that Kevin Smith had Mark Hamill – Playing a character, which I'm not going to repeat the name of it, uh, something knocker, yeah. uh, right? And I, I and I to this day I can't believe he convinced Mark Hamill to play that character. I mean, it's to me so, it just shows that Mark Hamill has. Uh, to me, it's more impressive on Hamill's part than it is Kevin Smith's part because it just shows that Hamill has such a, a sense of humor about himself. Yeah. I mean, the fact that in the movie in Jay and Silent Bob he gets his hand cut off and he looks at the camera and goes, "Not again!" Like he right, just, right. he's very aware. <laughs> Of, uh, but the but the idea that he called him C and then Knocker makes yeah. me I, I just can't believe he played with that. It's In 2019, so, it's so there are three movies that I want us to do um, commentaries on commentary tracks. Gabe, figure out how we can do a commentary track on Jay and oh, like Bob that. Strike Back. On Gabe Dunkirk. just gave a thumbs up. He's Forrest Gump. He doesn't care. Dunkirk and on, on not another teen movie. I think we need yes! to do commentary tracks for all three of those movies. Can I, I, and, I and hopefully one day we'll do a blend about this, like like maybe like best comedy scene blend or something like that. But to this day, the Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season scene in James You love Bob that scene. It's one of my every time I see Mark. Uh, uh, every time I interview Matt Damon, I always walk in and go, "I don't know, Will. What are we gonna do?" And he always plays with it. He always does the applplesauce and like we do like the, the that and then Gus Van Sant's count his That's money the best the part. When, when, he, when he's like, "Are you going to call action, Gus?" And he goes, "Jesus, Ben, I'm busy. I'm busy." I'm As busy. he's just counting his money because because that's really Gus, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's it, him. It, yes. No, it is Gus Van Sant. I yeah, can't, yeah. like to me like that shows that he has a great sense of humor. I yeah. cannot watch the Goodwill Hunting scene ever again and not think of what Kevin Smith did there. I mean, it's, right. it's just perfect. I want to get to the uh, Oscar host situation and not necessarily the controversy that led to uh, the departure <clears throat> of Kevin Hart as Oscar host, but the new idea that they might potentially just go no host or do a Saturday Night Live type rotation <laughs> where different people just keep coming on to introduce different segments. Um, where are we 
the 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 Oscar host conversation every year becomes more and more complicated because it's it's pretty clear nobody wants the gig, right? It's a thankless it's, job. You get paid fifteen thousand dollars. Right. You get ripped apart in the press. It takes a lot of work and preparation to go into it. Why would anyone want to do it? Yeah. So that I mean, how do how do they improve the situation to make it a job that is tantalizing that pe- that people will argue that they want? You can't go the comedian route now because it's too difficult for them to come up with material that isn't deemed too edgy nowadays. Um, and and even when they did go to comedians, it was people who were safer, like Ellen DeGeneres. Who's used Who to doing I a talk loved. show in a day? She was great. She was really good. Yeah. But you run out of I just. I also love Ellen. Uh, they've done Kimmel. They've done Ellen. How many people can they potentially do? They can't use Fallon because it's a different network. When we watch the Oscars, there you know the three and a half hour broadcast, or whatever. There are times where the host disappears for an hour, anyways. Sure. Um, and so I kind of like the idea of it just being. I don't know. There's something to be said about like about about a, about a through line of a host. Um, but I like the idea of maybe turning it into a bit then, but then who opens the show? What, what, what's the, what's the bit in the opening? Cause it's usually the host who comes out and does something. So I don't okay, know. But don't we always argue that the show is too long and needs to lose stuff anyway? Yeah, what but that's just not what it needs to lose though. That's not what it needs no. to lose. It needs to lose some of the awards that no one cares about. I, I like the opening. I like some of the Me skits too. in the middle. I like sort of that, that little bit of the, the fluff that, that ties together the awards okay, I care about. Okay, so you about. still yeah. argue that a host is necessary. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm all for like, obviously, you know, on this podcast, we've been talking about how the Academy needs to progress and, and how it needs to change what it considers to be a best picture. But there are certain aspects that I think make an Oscars. And for me, a host is one of them. I like the idea of having a host. I don't like the idea uh, of an SNL thing with a cast of characters coming in. To me, that's borderline bringing back Anne Hathaway and James Franco. Like it's just it, it, see it's now, just, I but I'm more appreciated when they went out of their way to honor. Like I think we always get excited by the escalation of the presenters, right? So by the time you get to director and picture, it's always some type of icon who comes yeah. out to give those out. Um, and then I also so really like start the with year. Someone not important at all, and then no. progressively work your way up. No, I guess my point would be because I also loved the year that the the previous nominees in the category came out and said amazing things about that year's nominees, right? Like five yeah, see, that supporting took so actors. Long though, really? Oh, it took. Yeah, a long, I felt yeah, like I felt like it, it took. I mean, that multiplied by four times. That took yeah. way too long. So you're saying you don't want um, five cinematographers to come out and talk about cinematography this year? <laughs> yeah. I'd be okay with that. I, I would yeah, love yeah. to retroactively <laughs> go back and give Roger Deakins all the Oscars he should have won for his yeah. career. Other than that, let's have Roger Deakins host the Oscars. That would, I'd be okay I, with I, that. I would be okay with that. Um, I thought we, we, had, we had someone uh, tweet us uh, earlier in the week and said that Kevin and I should – host the Oscars and he yeah. wanted to clock how long it would take before I walked off the stage and quit <laughs> which I thought uh, was a pretty Kalina, funny uh, pretty funny tweet Kalina is watching us in uh, on the Facebook live and she says that Gosling saved jazz so he can save the Oscars as well <laughs> it's not a bad suggestion that's great uh, I would watch that um, alright so they're still figuring out what the host situation is I don't know what the answer is um, but while the Oscars are figuring that out a number of organizations came out and announced their nominees. And to me, they're changing uh, the direction of the race yeah. uh, in significant it's ways. exciting though. I like that. I like that we don't know what's going to happen yeah. this year. It makes me this excited. This has been I the most, this. I think, uh, yeah. the most exciting awards season because there is in, in no category is there – like uh, a, a Christoph Waltz for Inglorious Pastures, where we go, okay, well, that one's already done, or a Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. There is no major category where we go, that's oh, already done. 
Right. But to me, it was supporting actress for the longest time because Regina King was picking up everything. Yeah, and yeah. her not getting SAG was a big deal today. I still think she gets an Oscar nomination, which I think she, that still puts her back in the game. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Okay, so I want to bring up SAG because they're the most recent to drop. And we're also going to talk about Critics' Choice and Golden Globes um, in that process. But in Oh, my SAG, God. It's like, it's like we're back on, a, on awards blend now. Well, this back is what's in the saddle nowadays. Yeah, and believe me, we're getting to Blockbusters later. We're going to have an Aquaman review, and we can talk about um, – uh, well, we already talked about Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. Go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, SAG doesn't do Best Picture. They do outstanding performances by a cast in a motion picture. It's completely focused on ensemble. They went with Star is Born, Black Panther, Black K Klansman. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal. You've now got me saying that. I said it in, in my newsroom today because I let someone borrow my copy and they gave it back yeah. to me. I was like, and across the newsroom, I go, hey, what'd you think of Black K Klansman? Then I paused and went, oh my God. Right. Mission accomplished. Uh, those three make sense. They're popping up everywhere. I would, I would say all three of those are in the best picture race. Do you guys agree with that? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, without question. No question. Uh, I yeah. were you surprised that Vice didn't get to me? That's the epitome of the kind of movie that gets an ensemble nomination. Stunned Vice wasn't there. Stunned the favorite wasn't there. Even though I'm not a fan, like yeah. the the performances get singled out when people are, are raving about the favorite. Yeah. Have you guys you know? heard about uh, Christian Bale's favorite Ryan Gosling? Oh film? my god. <laughs> the, the Vice. No, guys? Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> the Vice guys. Come on. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah right. pretty sorry, good. Sorry. Uh, the two that made it into SAG <laughs> cast that I don't know if they have a shot, but now it feels like they do. Bohemian Rhapsody and Crazy Rich Asians. Do we live in a world in which Bohemian Rhapsody is going to get a Best Picture nomination? Feels that way. Really? To feel that way. Oh yeah, dude. Bohemian Rhapsody was great. I'm, I, I'm just happy you, that. Do it, you, it, do you think Bohemian Rhapsody is deserving of a Best Picture nomination? No, I think it's deserving of a Best Actor nomination. Okay, but that, I, that I, would, I agree I, with you on. But it does not deserve a Best Picture nomination. I dude. will say this: the one thing I'm excited about this year specifically is that a lot of films that people actually went out to see are being recognized. So, like, if you look at the SAG nominations, four of those films were blockbusters. I mean, Black Klansman made a good amount of money, but four of those movies were gigantic films. Bohemian Star, Crazy Rich Asians... And then what's the uh, and then uh, what's the uh, fourth one? Black Panther. Black Panther. So what you're so, saying is that the Oscars are turning into the People's Choice Awards. No, my point that I'm making is the Oscars over the years have, in my opinion, have never really been about what movies people are actually seeing. And I think it shouldn't, I've, I've, be, I've, it shouldn't be about what movies people are no, seeing. No, my the, my point is is that we have, and I've said this on the show a million times, so I'll keep this very uh, concise. We have over, and we were all guilty of this. We all watch a trailer and go, that's an Oscar film. And we all have it in our mind what an Oscar movie is. An Oscar film should be dramatic. It should be based on a true story, whatever it is. But now we need to start understanding that comedies, horror movies, superhero films, action films all deserve the same type of recognition. That well, in that it. case, so, then, then Mission Impossible Fallout should get a Best Picture nomination See, and i don't I, I didn't love mission impossible fall i thought it was very good but i i, I think i think it's I, better than black panther but uh mm, I, I i would disagree with that i would disagree with that i, would disagree I think that. i think well, i disagree with you i think protocol and rogue nation i i think could have been that breaking barrier for an action film but then we but then we can get into a whole discussion about stunts uh and how those deserve yeah, how is how is that not a category yeah, really that's ridiculous. just 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 like everyone wants yeah. it it's the one move the academy can make that everyone goes Okay, well done. I, yeah, and I'll tell you why Bohemian Rhapsody gets in for picture. 100. percent 
when it got it, its Globe nomination, it didn't get it in a cheat with musical comedy. Right. It got yeah. it in the drama, drama category. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. if it yeah. got in musical comedy, you'd be like, oh, well, it has music yeah. in it. It's yeah. But the thing I don't get about it getting an ensemble nomination from SAG is that, like Kevin said, it's just Rami. Yeah. Like, Who else? I mean, like, yeah. Does that, that mean that weird. Mike Myers is a SAG nominee this year? Yes. Yeah. Technically, he is a SAG so, nominee. I will say this. Yeah, um, I know. I, I will say this. The one thing I do like about the SAG nomination for Bohemian is that Rami it's is getting too bloody all long. the- What? This is, I'm doing Mike Myers talking oh. about it. It's too, Bo- it's too bloody Bo- long. Bohemian is getting all the- uh, Rami's getting all the recognition. And I think people are actually sleeping on how great the other three guys are. Uh, even Lucy. But the the other three guys... And they are good. You're right. You're right. But if you actually watch the Live Aid footage after watching Bohemian, like Joe Mazzello, Gwilym Lee, and Ben Hardy, they nail it. It's it's. I mean, Rami's obviously front and center. So... In my opinion, I like that Bohemian got in there because then it'll hopefully give the other guys more recognition. Now, I do think that Vice could have taken that slot or, you know, Beale Street or something like that. But Yeah, but Vice didn't even get any supporting nomination. Yeah. Or no, got supporting actors. No, Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. But yeah, um, I, I, but I'm it didn't get I mean Rockwell that. didn't get in. Which I was so let me, read, it, let me read uh, the male actor and female actor. And if these are our Oscar nominees, which quite often they do line up. Um, tell me if you guys are fine with these. Uh, wait, wait, outstanding. Wait, 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 what, what wins yeah. uh, SAG Ensemble? <clears throat> From that group? Let, let's let's predict them as we go through them. Star is born. I'll say I Star think it's Star is born, too. I think Panther's going to win. He's not nominated Let, for anything okay, else. Wait, can I go on record? I'm going to go on record. This is episode number 48. It is December whatever. Black Panther is winning the Best no. Picture Oscar. No, yes, it's it is. Not. No, it's not. No, it's not. We did this. We did yes, this last year with Get Out. We did this last year with Get Out. It's not going to. It's winning. No, it's John, not. It's winning. It's not. Yes, Jake. It's no. winning. No, you're because wrong. The only movie that it has to Gabe, beat is Star Is Born. Write this down, Mark. Mark, and it's when this is happening. Star Is Born. Yes. No, you're An wrong. An hour before we recorded this show, Lauren said to me, "What is going to win Best Picture this year?" I said, "Black Panther." No. It's Black Panther. It's gonna yes. Win. You don't yeah. want it to win, but it's going to win. It does. It's not best picture, but it's going to win. It's not the best picture. It's not even the best Marvel movie. Right. But it's going to win best picture. See, no. what they'll do is, uh, I guarantee you. Okay. Be so, okay. So, oh, do you, do you, does Kugler get nominated? Does yeah. Michael B. Jordan no. get nominated? No. Here's no. Happen. Then it's not going to. Uh, no. Be- yes, they are. It's, it's going to go, no. go Panther. <laughs> and then actor will be, will be Bale. Then actress will be. Um, or whoever, uh, forget that. Director then goes to Cooper. Cinematographer goes to Roma. They're, it's all going to be split. The spread is going to be spread out. Yeah, Jake. What what did Moonlight win before it won picture? Didn't win anything leading up to it. Screenplay, screenplay. Yeah, but that's below the line. Mahershala. Did Mahershala no, no, win? no. Screenplay. Mahershala and screenplay. Those are two oh, above Mahershala the lines. Screenplay is okay. above okay. the line, dude. Okay. Yeah, um, but, not, but I'm, I'm talking about like the, the the five main ones, and also Star okay, is Born. Wait, by the way, but, okay, but wait, but we both said Star is Born is going to win SAG Ensemble. But we both think we think Panther wins picture. No, I said Panther no. wins second. No. Oh, you think so? No. Interesting. It, was, yeah. it didn't even get any other nominations. To clarify, what, this is not what I want to win. This is what I understand I that, but it, but logically it doesn't. I just no. I I think you guys are sleeping on how many older Academy members think that that they'll think it's cool. Okay, like that they, they will say that the nomination is the win. Congratulations, Marvel. We put you in. You you mm-hmm. complained about Dark Knight not being nominated for so long. You complained about other superheroes not getting in. You got your nomination. Now shut the hell up and let us give it to a Star Is Born. I'm feeling. It. I'm feeling just what Sean's Dude, feeling. You I, said it, the it, same I, thing about Get Out last year. I don't no. think the older Academy members are going to like this version of Star is Born. 
Oh, it's I great. So, so, I so, love Star is Born. No, no I know. I, you're not an older Academy member. I think the older Academy nah, members man. will appreciate the Judy Garland nah, one and the Barbara Streisand one more than they like this one. Nah, man. Hey, here's the thing. I mean, next week I could, I could be singing a different tune. Right now I'm feeling Black Panther. Interesting. All right. No, anyway. Nothing makes me want to get behind someone like I could think differently in a week. Well, I'm just saying we all we we all go uh, through this. I no, mean, I, I you're, you're right, but I, I just, mean, I just think that's the the Oscar race is no. up and down. I mean, today the favorite didn't get best ensemble. But I never I never deal. thought the favorite was going to win best picture. We tweeted about this earlier today. No, at, at no but, point did I think the favorite was a contender for no, best picture. No, but I think it but wanted to build its momentum. Movie. I think yeah, it wanted I mean, to build its momentum and I a mean, SAG, but, lo- you yeah, know, getting yeah. overlooked by SAG only yeah. hurts its chances. Crazy Rich Asians has a SAG ensemble nomination. Vice and Favorite don't. Oh, let that's me a, ask this. Does Crazy deal. Rich Asians get a Best Picture nominee? Yes. You think so? Yes. Do you think we might see 10 nominees? Like yes. the full 10 so if, they can fit in there? If there were ever yes. a year they needed 10 nominees, it's this one. Yeah, yeah right? I, mean, I totally agree. I yeah. think Best Actress needs 15 slots. Crazy Rich sakes. Asians well, will definitely we, get well, it. That's why we have the Critics' Choice Awards. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Speaking of anything stand out from our nominations, that, that to me, listen, all three of us are members of that group. I'm actually on the board. The fact that we have seven nominations in Best Actor and Best Actress is egregious, and it just makes us look silly. Here, here's, here's my issue with that, and, and I've brought this up to other members, so I'm, I'm not uh, trash-talking an organization that I'm proudly a part of. Yes. But we, pr- we pride ourselves on being the most accurate predictors of the Academy Awards, but I feel like it's sort of cheating that we do that when we nominate seven actors for a category, because that's like saying that, oh, like, like, you know, I, I, I you know, we, we nominated 80 different actors and we get it right every year. Well, like, yeah, of course we do, because you nominate more people than every other organization does. It's just it's just a little like we're sort of messing with the odds a little bit, aren't we? In order to a be able bit. to say that we're the most yeah, accurate predictors. Tilting the, I, the table in I, favor. One thing I will say, though, and I and, I, and I'm 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 going to. I want to champion First Man so badly. I mean that that movie. I was very happy that we that we really we 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 kept it in the game essentially. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, Kevin? It, yeah, it makes me and, and and I keep I I think about that movie a lot. Literally, when I look at the moon, I think about that film. I mean, that's how I, mean, I, I hear Justin Hurwitz's score. It's like it's a brilliant film. And I mean, Best score we, of the year. We've all been getting. I agree. We've all been getting these books. I mean, if you really dive into what they did in that movie, it is some of the most astounding filmmaking I've ever seen. And it is just dead in the water in the sense of nobody saw it. It made no money. Um, and and I, it still angers me. And I know Jake disagrees. I really do think that controversy hurt it. And I've taught people that they, they think the same thing. That movie deserves more. And I think the Critics' Choice giving it 10 nominations. I don't know what's going to happen. I think Foy will get in at the Oscars. I think Hurwitz gets in at the Oscars, so we'll have representation clearly with production design and Claire things Foy like didn't that. Get a, you didn't get a sack today, though. Did she not get a sack? No. I didn't look at that list. Wow. No. Well, yeah. neither did Regina King, though. So I mean, that, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, exactly. I, I, but I, I think, think I think Regina King has a lot more going into the Oscars than. In fact, there's such an outrage that Regina King did not get nominated yeah. today that I think people will go out of their way whenever the they're voting Affleck for the thing. Oscars. Yeah, you know who got her slot? Margot Robbie for Mary Queen of Scots, which a, which a, not a good movie, and b, her performance specifically not good. I mean, she's just miscast and has nothing to do in the movie. So I, who on earth watched Mary Queen of Scots and thought, oh yeah, Margot Robbie gets the a nomination in this movie? Like that's dumbfounding to me. So mm. yeah, not a big fan. Right, who, uh, who's who's actor? Who got actor? 
Uh, well, we got to move off Zag. We got so much other stuff to get to. I'll I will say actor quick, quick note on actor. I love that John David Washington got nominated. Me too. I love Black Klansman. And so, I like that he's now in, he's he's in the talk. He could be that fifth slot. Because there are, there are four guarantees. There's Cooper, Mortensen, Bale, uh, uh, Rami Malek. And then that fifth one is sort of up in the air. It's been to a few different people at this point. I would love for it to be John David Washington. It really could be. Yeah. I, and, then, and, and, look, and then one thing I'm hoping is that if, if Christian Bale wins, that he gets on stage and sings his oh favorite. Oh, my God. His favorite artist song, Vanilla Vice. <laughs> like, come on, don't you guys want to see him do a Vanilla Vice song? Vice, Vice, baby. Come on, Act- guys. Best actress goes to <laughs> Melissa. Mac- okay, Melissa McCarthy. She's probably in, right? <laughs> Can you ever forgive me? Yeah, yeah, I think McCarthy's in. Uh, Lady Gaga. I, I, stars I have born- no idea how we get a hundred thousand listeners. <laughs> it, 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 it blows my freaking mind. It is because Jake. Because Vice Vice Baby is brilliant. I mean, Van- don't you want to see Vanilla Vice? Come on, it's Christian Bale's favorite artist. Olivia Coleman is in for the favorite. <laughs> uh, Emily Blunt gets in for Mary Poppins Returns, and then rightfully Glenn so. Close. I didn't like, I, well, but she's she's great. And then did anyone see the wife? Glenn Close is in. For I the did. Wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, Glenn wife. Close is so good in the wife. I'm, I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. The movie's I, not I, good though. But she's great at it. Yeah. Like, and a that, lot that, of people that, feel like she should have an Oscar by now. She wants it bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's campaigning very hard. Very true. Uh, let's get to this week's in this week in movies. Uh, we have a lot of things that are opening. Some, Wait, of, some of which we talked about at length. Yes, Kevin. I was going to say, Sean, did you guys hear about the? Gabe, <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, this is your job. Wrap it wait, up. Wait, wait. Do one something, more. man. Yeah. One, one more. I was just going to say, did you guys uh, hear that they announced today that the cast of Vice yeah, is actually yeah. going to be doing a musical tour across the country, oh, right? And they're going to be playing all Vice Girls songs. So, like, you know. <laughs> It's gonna, come on, Spice Girls, Spice Girls. All right, continue. Once upon a Deadpool, um, we discussed, <laughs> which is essentially okay. Kevin, I want to ask it from this perspective, and I don't know what your take on this is. I, I've been asked this multiple times by a few people who are like, "Can I bring my kid to Deadpool?" No. Once upon a Deadpool. Still no. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's a PG thirteen Deadpool, but it's still Deadpool. I mean, there's right. st- it's still violent. There's still people dying. Um, it's. It, the only thing it really does is that it gives access to kids who maybe are between the age of 13 and 16 who couldn't see Deadpool, which they probably already have anyways, but also, right? If, anyway, you've been, yeah. if you've been sheltering your kid from Deadpool up to this point, why are you all of a sudden going to introduce him or her to a PG-13 version of the sequel? Like, it's such right. a weird entrance. Like, if, any, if, if they're at an age where they can't watch it, just have them wait a few years so they can get old enough to go watch the first one as, like, don't, don't use this as, as an introduction to Deadpool. To right. Ryan Reynolds' credit, though, they are making a joke, a lot of jokes about it being a cash grab. They even did, like, a bit uh, on, on social media the other day where they had kids review the movie while being bleeped out. That was pretty funny. Um, I will be say— fair, Deadpool 2 was a cash grab, too. No, yeah, it wasn't. It's I'm funnier joking, than I'm you give it I'm credit joking. for. I'm joking. I love it's Deadpool good. It was fine. It was fine. But once upon— a, the, the, the best bit that I've seen come out of this whole thing was the Nickelback bit. Yes. With, with, which, by the way, isn't even in the movie. I know. I so, was so oh, no kidding. Really? When you told me well, that. Well, That's the joke, the joke itself, the 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 Fox joke that we saw, that that joke's in there. But I mean, I mean, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm forgetting it. But there was not a Nickelback breakdown of like I mean, money and their and their, I, I don't remember that being in the movie. But that that was a really funny bit. I mean, and we aired that this morning. Don't let me let me go back to my notes because I don't remember that scene being in the movie. Because the first time yeah, I saw dude, that, you joke, would remember that. You, yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. that. So um, we did the junket for it. Eric Eisenberg from Cinema Blend did the junket for it, where you got to interview Fred Savage, and Savage played it as if the kidnapping was an actual real. thing. 
Right. Oh, did he did that to you too? Was that the bit yeah. for the whole day? I don't like really, that. I don't like when I, actors do that. It was odd. I was trying to figure out because I was the first interview of the day, so I didn't know that that was a bit. Yeah. So like, I'm in the middle of my interview, and every couple minutes he resorts back to saying that he was kidnapped by Deadpool. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and I, and at one point I was like, oh, I wanted to say to him, "Wait, wait, are you? Is this a bit? Right. Are we, are we, am I, am I supposed to play along <laughs> with you?" And yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the, and they he didn't warn you going in. They didn't no, tell no. you. Yeah. Didn't I? Did oh, not weird. know that that's he weird. was going to be. I mean, I mean, the interview was great, and Fred was really nice, and we talked about Princess Bride. He walked me through what that process was like shooting in the '80s versus now. But as I wrapped the interview and I was editing it today to air, I'm like, "Oh, he was doing a yeah. bit." I just did not catch on to it. I, I, and, we did a press event one time with uh, Dylan McDermott, who had a, a Fox TV show called "LA to Vegas." And in this show, he played sort of this drunken airline pilot, almost like a Jack Sparrow-esque kind of character. And that was the first interview he did for the event. And he came up, and he was in the full costume, which I thought, okay, because we were going to get on a plane, and we were going to fly to Vegas. And I thought, okay, just because we're getting on a plane. And he, it took me to Kevin's point, one or two, maybe two or three questions to get to realize, oh, you're doing this in character. <laughs> oh, okay, because you just don't, you, you're not, because you, we don't normally do that. And not only did he do the interviews in character, we got on a plane, we flew to Vegas, we went to a casino, and he walked around the casino in character. To Even further, I went to the restroom to go pee, he walks up to the urinal next to me and continues to be in character as he's peeing next to me. He looks over and goes like, oh, dude, can your captain make your flight any better on the way back? And I was like, what is happening? Yeah, that's <laughs> creepy. That's so weird, creepy. It's so strange. It's, but, Kevin, it's the weirdest, isn't it the weirdest thing whenever they're in character? It's so weird. Yeah, well, the, 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 the weirder thing for me, though, is that Fred Savage is playing Fred Savage. So it was like, I'm interviewing Fred Savage, playing Fred Savage, who's been kidnapped by Deadpool. Yeah. But then, but but, and it's interesting because I look back at the interview today, I'm watching it all the way through and I'll post it on, I'll post the full thing on, on YouTube if people want to see it. You can see him, like, I'm asking him legitimate questions to get legitimate answers, and he's, like, battling the character. Yeah. Like, he, like, you could, I see his face battling, like, do I answer in character, or do I, I because mean, I'm asking him specific questions about Wonder Years, or things like that, and, and at the end, I mean, I started to understand that it was a bit. So, the movie, by the way, is actually, I mean, if you're a Deadpool fan, it's, there are, bo- are bits in there that you do not see in Deadpool 2, um... I don't know if I'd necessarily spend money to see it in theaters because I love Deadpool 2, um, but it, it does feel, you know, re- revised. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel as harsh. Tell uh, me as- one Tell me one character from a movie that you wish you could interview at a junket where the person did Ooh, it in character. Ooh, good question. Christopher uh, Walken from Pulp Fiction. Oh, nice. Good I one. would say Johnny Depp as uh, Jack Sparrow. Oh, that's a great one. I'd say Philip Seymour Hoffman from Along Came Polly. <laughs> oh, good. That's awesome. Jake basically wants to interview Keith Richards, basically. Yeah, oh, I'd like love to interview Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, you know, Jake, you know would you ask actually... him for a picture? <laughs> I would definitely ask Keith Richards for a picture. Yes, I would. <laughs> Can I make a revision? I want Christian Bale from American Psycho. Oh, that's good. Oh, nice. I feel like, you know what's going to happen? This question is going to hang over us, and we're all going to wake up in the middle of the night and think of another one, and we're all going to start texting. For the next six months, it's just going to be us texting. Did we, uh, I want to mention um, Hero Blend this week? Uh, the other podcast in the Cinema Blend Network. Don't use they our have podcast to plug another plot podcast. Uh, only, only this time they have. Uh, they got additional time with Rob Liefeld, and he's talking Ooh, about that's cool. 
his take on Once Upon a Deadpool. So go over to uh, all of our podcast streams and download this week's Hero Blend and hear Rob Liefeld's take on the PG-13 cut of Deadpool. Deadpool 2. Of Dead- uh, Deadpool! That was great. Also, just, just, I was joking about that the whole, like, because I love Hero Blend. They're amazing over there. I was just joking. Oh, too late. That. Too late. No. I'd, Gabe, I'd like to be on out. the record. I don't want that I'd like to be on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I go over there, please, instead? Uh, Mortal Engines. We haven't talked about Mortal Engines at all, and I That's haven't a good seen reason it. You why? guys have? Yeah, is that we? embargo lifted? I mean, it we opens go? this week. Hold right? on. It, it opens We got, we got to soon. check on that. Yeah? All right. While you're checking on that, okay. uh, we can talk about the mule. The mule embargo is definitely up, and we can discuss uh, Clint Eastwood's latest. Uh, I'll, I'll start. I thought it was not his best film, but by, by far not his worst film. Um, you know, I found it to be pretty compelling. I really like the story of this this guy who got caught up in the drug trade uh, what I really wish that it could have done, and it's – I hate doing this when you think about like, oh, the movie should have done this instead when instead of just judging what the movie is. But but this guy essentially becomes a mule. This guy who Clint Eastwood's playing becomes a mule for a drug cartel. And the reason that they recruit him is just because he is um, completely innocent looking. He's a non-assuming uh, senior citizen who has a competent driving record. And so the cartel feels it's pretty safe to just dump – uh, drug supplies into the back of his pickup truck and he'll transport them to wherever they tell him to go. Um, I wish the movie stopped for a second and just asked how this guy feels about his part in the machine uh, that's pouring more illegal substances into cities like Chicago and, you know, places where he's he's essentially assisting the cartel and uh, the movie doesn't really go that in-depth into what this guy did. There's a subplot running where Bradley Cooper and... Uh, um, Oh, Michael Pena. Pena. Michael Pena. Thank you very much. Are tracking down who they think the mule is. And there's a great mm-hmm. scene in it too that that I think uh Clint maybe thought he was doing his heat tribute. Yeah. Which is yeah. with Bradley sitting across from yeah. Clint in a Waffle House, which I love. I admire that as a southerner. Um but yeah, it was it was fine. I thought it was fine. I thought it was decent. I liked it and um I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah. That's the first I, thing I thought about was that heat scene. I yeah, was, I, I, yeah. The first thing that hit my mind was like, that, that's a and homage it's funny, to heat. There was a, there was a critic that was sitting next to me because we were uh, in the theater. Kevin and I were there. On the other side of me, Kevin, uh, the person leans over and goes, oh, that's got to be the heat scene, right? That's got to be yeah. a heat reference. Yeah. So um, I cool. liked it as well. Um, I feel like not to get too inside baseball, but it's being treated as if – no, like they're everyone's kind of ashamed of it. I feel like I mean it's it, we're in awards season, and the fact that we weren't made or asked to see it before voting deadlines, and the fact that we didn't get a screener—I don't know anyone that got a screener for it—implies that I feel like it's sort of being buried a little bit. But I, which made me walk in thinking this has got to be really bad. But it, I liked it. To your point, no, it's not unforgiving quality. It's not million dollar baby quality. But by no means is it anywhere near his worst film. In fact, if I had to sort of, you know, it's probably kind of somewhere right in the middle. I mean, I thought it was, yeah. I mean, if I paid 10 bucks to go see it, I, I would say, okay, like it was, it was worth that. I mean, how many more Clint Eastwood movies are we going to get? Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, The Mule is not a great film. It's, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, yeah. and, and like, and I think, I think we all, I think Jake and I both went in there wondering, like, you know, this movie does feel like it's being, like, is anybody talking about it yet? And we were surprised that we kind of liked it. And, and again, this is, again, like Jake said, this is not Mystic River. This is not Unforgiven. This is not uh, Bridges of Madison County. I mean, this is not, like, his, this is not top tier Clint Eastwood. This is, but this is also not 15 to 17 to Paris yeah. Clint Eastwood. That was yeah. very This is bad. the best so, movie he's made this year. I can tell you that. Right, right. <laughs> but, but. I mean, like it's, and I don't even think it's as good as Sully. Sully, I, I love Sully. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, I agree with you. 
and so it's interesting, like, like people want to know how it is. It's one of the best trailers of the year, for sure. That trailer is incredible. Um, and it, it, it has a great premise. Um, it's a little long at times, but I, I found Eastwood, I mean, the guy's 88 years old, he's producing the film, starring the film, directing the film. Um, it's, it flows well. There, there, there's a great dynamic with the Cooper storylines, very well done. Um, I thought that the uh, performances from everybody were, were relatively solid. I liked all the scenes with, like, with Clint, like, visiting the guys who were giving him the drugs. I thought those scenes were interesting to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, part of what the makes feeling- the movie... Part of what makes the movie compelling is that Eastwood was good in the lead. Like, yeah. he is good. And I don't He's know what really it would good. have been like if he cast somebody else in it, but I thought he was really yeah. good. He it, takes the time to stop and give himself scenes with his family members, too, which I thought were really important. Yeah. The yeah. scene with Cooper is a good scene. Yeah. And I yeah. thought Clint was pretty compelling. Now, yes, there is some element of this movie that it's just Clint driving around in a car singing songs to himself. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm I, okay with that. I thought that was okay, yeah. yeah. Even I though mean, the movie is is good, not great, didn't you feel like in the scenes that featured Eastwood and Cooper together that you were sort of what like I was I would look at that scene and be like this is we're not going to get a scene like this again like you know I yeah, feel like right. one legend almost passing the torch on to yeah. someone that could be a legend in his own right in in 20 30 40 years yeah, yeah. I mean, and we all interviewed Eastwood over the over the weekend I, I yeah I we did to, I, yeah I, we I, did and I wanted to ask Eastwood what he thought about Stars Born so we, I think and, and I think. Um, with but thanks but with him like directing Cooper and Sniper and then obviously them having scenes here together Michael Pena told me that they actually rented out um, that Bradley Cooper actually screened the film Stars Born for them on the Mule set which is kind of cool um, you know this is a while back but you know Clint Eastwood was so complimentary of what Cooper did with the film and we all know that Eastwood was originally or supposed to be attached to Stars Born with Beyonce I think that was yeah. the initial um, was that was that a confirmed thing or just a rumor. Uh, no, it was a, a real thing that was okay. cooking around. Do you know there was also a version of Stars Born that Will Smith was going to make with Jennifer Lopez? Jennifer Lopez, yeah, I no. saw that yesterday. Yeah, she talked about that in an interview, which that makes me wonder because you know, obviously, it, it makes me wonder because I think how did she describe it? Like it just fell apart, like these things do. It makes me wonder yeah. how many Stars Borns yeah. were being cooked up in Hollywood before this is the yeah. one we ended up getting. Well, Probably a lot. Eastwood yeah. said something interesting. Eastwood, well, Eastwood was talking about how much he loved how much he loved Stars Born, and he was talking about how like he commended Bradley Cooper for for uh, for casting a non actor in the musical role of the Gaga character. And then at one point in the answer, he says that he did a lot of things that went against a lot of people's recommendations for the film. So I, I don't know what that was implying um, about maybe who to cast or what to cast, but he implied that Bradley Cooper kind of didn't listen to a lot of people and did his own thing. Um, so which is interesting. interesting to me. So I don't know who he was talking about, but um, but yeah, he and then at one, at one point in his answer, he goes, you know, most actors want to direct, but never, but something, but most of them never really take that leap because they're not afraid, but they're just not ready to do it. And he was just commending Cooper for taking that leap and doing that. So it was cool. Jake, it was it was it was cool. Jake, this was your first Clint interview. How did it go, Jake? Oh, so I'm sorry, my internet froze. I missed exactly. I missed everything oh, you just oh. said. This was your first Clint interview. How did it go? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, so I was actually the first one up that day. I, uh, Sean and I were waiting outside his room whenever. And it was so interesting, Sean. And I'm, I'm curious if you felt this as well. Clint walks into the hallway. We're all there waiting for him. And you could just feel sort of just almost a hush fell over the hallway. You could feel everyone yeah. sort of just tense up, get excited. He came over, shook each of our hands before he walked in the room. Good, firm handshake for an 88-year-old man. I was very impressed with that. And I walked in there and it was, he just very unassuming. 
Yeah. It was it was almost like talking to someone, and, and and someone from Warner Brothers told me afterward that uh, he apparently was saying all of these people are just so nice. Like he wasn't like like he wasn't expecting all of us to just sort of you know kind of be bowing, you know, because you know I, I say you know whether you you love his movies or not, the man is a cinema legend and the and one of the few of a, of a generation that we really uh, don't have many people. I mean, we're talking himself, but maybe Jack Nicholson. Pacino, people that really are, are, are part of this generation that, that are, are unfortunately getting older. And yeah. I mean, to just, I, you know, and one thing I wanted to make sure I did whenever I was sitting there interviewing him was be present in the moment. Because whenever I go in there, and especially for an interview I'm excited about, I get very intense and I get very anxious and I'm like, I'm ready to go. And, and as they're talking, I, you know, I have my next question ready to go because I know we're running short on time. And one thing I wanted to, to do is just when he was talking to me, sit there and look at him and go, that's Clint Eastwood in a yeah. chair two feet from me, talking to me, responding yeah. to a question that I asked him. And yeah. I made sure that I did that because I don't know if I'm ever going to get him again. Um, and, and it was really cool to, 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 to do that and really appreciate that. And, and not to get all, all schmutzy and get all emotional, but sharing the moment with you guys, being yeah. there, you know, the, the night before we did this interview, the three of us all sat down at, uh, at a restaurant in, in the hotel mm. we were staying at, and we, were, we practiced on our questions together. We went over our questions. We, we helped each other with phrasing. And, uh, and really, I mean, as great as that interview was, for me, the memories come attached to you guys being there. Yeah, and people uh, don't realize, like, you know, we, our lives, when we travel to these junkets, I, I, I get that people, like, they, they see a glamorous side of it, and, and we're very lucky to do what we do, but we all work really, we all work really hard, and, like, it, this was a Saturday night when we could, we could have been out doing whatever we need, wanted to do, but we, Jake and I have always made an, a point, and now with Sean as well, to stay in and practice our questions, and, like, Jake and I have been doing this for years, like, I'll pretend like he's Spielberg, and then we'll go over our questions together, and so... Yeah, who, the, who are some of the ones that we've, we've done? Spielberg, like we did a Scorsese Niro, geek out, dude, Dinner, Scorsese, we did yeah. Oprah. Oprah. Yeah, Oprah, yeah. yeah. And, I'm, I, on, and the cool thing was, uh, when we all sat down for dinner... Um, I think people listening to this show love the behind the scenes aspect of these junkets because, like Jake was telling the story about Eastwood coming down the hallway. Now I'll, I'll tell some, I'll tell you guys something really funny about oatmeal cookies in a second. Um, but the uh, the uh, dinner we have, we're all sitting there and we, we go, we we all present our questions. We have, we came up with three questions each that we wanted to present, and none of us had the same question. Yeah. And that which, was a which, cool thing. If you know anything about how the junkets work and, and the knock yeah. on junkets, which is that reporters ask the same questions to the talent and they get sick of hearing it. And the right. three of us in particular take great pride in, uh, in asking questions that no one else is asking. In fact, for me, my, the little high I get, I don't do drugs, I don't do anything wild and crazy. My high is hearing someone I respect go, ooh, that's a good question. That's, oh, dude. that's my drug. Okay, no. So, and I, I'm so glad Kevin brought up the fact because that – truly blew my mind that all of us stated our questions and nobody yeah. had a repeat yeah. question. But yeah. what I what I loved more than even going into the room and speaking to Eastwood <laughs> was when I said my questions out loud and Van Vliet was with us too, Chris Van Vliet, who people know from the show. Yeah. And if I said one of my questions and all three of those guys at the table were like, oh, that's, Ooh, a, good that's a good question. Because <laughs> you know that like we're all professionally, yeah. this is what we do. We, right. we yeah. rack our brains with the question that we're going to ask that's going to get that reaction. So when we're able to get that reaction from the other three guys yeah. that do yeah. that professionally, it, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Yeah, and the cool I always, is, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead, Jake. No, I, I, for me, like whenever you know, Kevin or Sean tells me a question that they want to ask, 
I, I almost like if it's a question that I genuinely want to hear the answer to, I almost grab him by the collar and go, you have to ask this question because now <laughs> I want to know what the answer is going to be. And if you don't yeah. ask the question, it's going to drive me nuts because I'm always going to wonder what the answer is now. Yeah. And, and, and the crazy thing is, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll go a little into detail and kind of like my situation when, when, when we're all doing interviews, um, it's tough because, you know, you have five minutes, you're sitting across from someone like Clint Eastwood and Diane Wheat. Uh, uh, Weast, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm blanking. And they're in the room together. You have five minutes, and clearly Eastwood is. The, I mean, they're both legends, but uh, Eastwood is somebody that you know that I'm. I'm a particular fan of. You know, so I was very excited to meet him. Uh, and I and I've interviewed him before, and I've had him one on one, and he's been great. Um, when I walked in that room, I had my questions that I prepared, and you know, I opened up with the question I told you guys, and I ended with the question I told you guys, which was Stars Born. But I had these two kind of like fun questions in the middle. Um, I was going to ask Eastwood, uh, you know, because his character does not have any speeding tickets. I was going to ask him about his first speeding ticket and then uh, what song he sings when he's driving because he's singing. And I, I don't know. I just sat down and I got a vibe that this wasn't going to be like one of those like, I, I don't know. I just felt I, 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 I had a yeah. moment well, right. You got to read the room. room. You got to read, you the, read room. the room. Yeah. And so I sit down and I'm like, OK, I asked him my first question. and I'm like. And, and as he's answering, kind of going against what Jake was saying, because you want to be present, but sometimes you're really kind of figuring out your next question. I had to make a decision in my mind, and I just dropped the fun questions and kind of went. Because I, I mean, we had, I, it's so known that Eastwood shoots uh, with one or two takes, generally speaking, with his movies. And I had not positioned a question to Diane yet. So I figured, okay, why don't I just bring that up and and have... Both of them react since there's an actor sitting there who's also experiencing the one or two take thing with Eastwood. And it was just something, and I know he's been asked it a million times, but it was just like uh, my brain defaulted to something safe because yeah. I wasn't sure where to go. You know what I mean? So like, it's interesting, like the dynamic of how a room works. And, we, and Jake and I discussed this with Starsborn uh, when you sit down with Cooper and Gaga and you have four minutes to get something out of them. And it's the science of how, who to ask first. And we all debated this. When you have Clint and Diane in a room together, who do you ask the question to first? Do you go right. both or do you I, go to Clint? I, I went straight. I went straight Clint. And I, and I mean, me I, I've been started, Mr. Eastwood, I'm going to start with you. Right. No, we're disrespectful of Diane, who is a two-time Oscar winner. So Agreed. obviously a legendary actress. Yeah. But unfortunately in that situation, and I feel like yeah. she understood as well. 100%. Clint is, is you know, unfor- the legend in the room, I would argue, and the director and star of the film. Right. And, I, and so I just kind of like – I, I actually started stuttering uh, in the middle of that question because I was like so I, – I didn't want to not have her speak because I was yeah. trying to – because Eastwood gave such a long answer to the first question. But then I didn't – but I still wanted to get to my Stars Born questions. I was like how do I get a question in here where they can both answer and still have time left? And that, that's what's going through my mind during that interview. So I'll post it. I don't love how it turned out on my end, but I'll post it because I think it's interesting just to give a science of what's going on in someone's brain. Yeah. Sometimes you just have a, a, a brain fart like that. It's funny. We to, can do as much prep as you want to, yeah. but when you're in the room, yeah. all bets yeah. are off. Just you just got to know can't how it goes. Train for that. We've talked about this in the past. We can't. Yeah. You can't train for what it's like to sit across from Clint Eastwood. All you can do is, is is do it multiple times, and unfortunately, we don't live in a world where we get to talk to him multiple times. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like like playing pee wee football and then being told all of a sudden you got to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I will say this, and that's a great analogy. I, I think one thing I find interesting is we all know 
movies and the business inside and out because we work on it. And I think the the question about him doing one or two takes is something he's been asked a million times. He doesn't do rehearsals. Jake tells a great story about about Tom Hanks telling a story about how he doesn't uh, say action because it would scare the horses on set. Um, so what's funny is I, I got back to D.C. and I aired my interview. And I, I actually aired his answer and her answer about why he does so less takes and why he wants to get it right on the first take. And when I got out of the package, my anchor goes, oh, it's so interesting. I didn't know that he only did one or two takes. Yeah. And, I, and then so, I kind of had a, a light bulb moment where I was like, I've known that for years. Yeah. We know these things, but right, the average right, viewer right. does not. And there's a good chance yeah. that people listening to this podcast probably know yeah. it because if you listen to this podcast, yeah. you're a movie fan. But the average news audience, they don't, they don't yeah. know to the degree of, of but, you know, in-depth baseball stuff like we do. It's just one of those things where I just defaulted to a safe question because I thought, you know, and I and I just wish I had I wish I had done better in that situation. I wish yeah, you had dude, dude. Clint, Clint Eastwood is one of the most know? intimidating men in the history yeah. of cinema. There is no such thing as a safe question. So in the in the moment, Kevin, you think you were having trouble with the curve? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, so that's actually that was really good that was <laughs> yes really that good was perfect <laughs> by the way I, I gotta mention the oatmeal cookies by the way oh so yeah what's this I went back um, I was doing so for people this is kind of cool we were in the same hotel and Jake and I did Vice on the fifth floor and we did Mule on the first floor and um, Clint Eastwood I was back downstairs after or between Vice and I was I ran into somebody and I Got a picture with Eastwood, and as I was and I was I was getting the picture with Eastwood, I noticed that there was a plate of cookies right next to his, his seat, and they were oatmeal cookies. And apparently, that's like a thing. I don't know if that's something he normally eats, but I was like, they smelled so good, and I'm so <laughs> bummed I didn't take one. I, 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 I was offered one, but I didn't want to take one off Clint Eastwood's plate. You know what I mean? So Wait, I, I he offered you an oatmeal. No, cookie? no, no. Uh. Someone in the room said, "Do you want one of these cookies?" And they're, they're Clint's, and I'm like. I don't really oh, like yeah. I would have uh, taken one. <laughs> so and then and then and then so as I after I take the picture, I stand up and I go, by the way, I gotta tell you, fistful of dollars, that scene with the mule, four more coffins, he goes, ha ha ha. He starts like laughing. I was like, all right, I'm done. And I just roll out of the room. It was the best. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Anyway. You should have said, Clint, bake my day. Mm. You know, see, no. Sean is it's, on point It's today, like an man. illness. It's like a viral illness that Sean has now contracted. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, we want to play. There's a segment that I'm going to introduce, and it only works this week and next week, although as we move forward, it'll probably turn up multiple times, and it's called uh, We're Right and You're Wrong. Because there are instances where two members of the podcast team feel one way about a certain movie, and the third person oh, does not. What, what is this? I've not heard of this. Did we talk about doing this? No, not, not, I'm, I'm doing it in the moment right now. Oh, You're learning about it as the rest of us learn about it. Um, and for this week's entry in We're Right, You're Wrong, uh, Jake and I are going to play We're Right to Kevin being wrong about a movie called Aquaman, which is opening in theaters <laughs> right Ooh, now. I like this. Because James Wan's film uh, is opening in theaters. Everybody's going to be able to go see it. And um, I've seen it twice. I sat next to Jake uh, when he was seeing it for the first time. We were up in New York to do The Junket. Kevin saw it at a different time. And I was nervous because I went and saw it early. I liked it. I was very positive on it. I'm three and a half out of five. I don't think it's, you know, over the moon. But by DC standards, I think it's, I think it's good. It's probably not quite as good as Wonder Woman. Uh, it's much better than Justice League. Um, Momoa, I think, is, grows into the role. And James Wan does some incredible stuff on an epic scale with his visuals and creating the underwater world. 
Jake was very quiet during the whole movie. Um, and I was reading that as him not really liking it. And when it's, once it ended, he leaned over to me and said, man, James Wan's an incredible director. And I was just real happy that it like sort of solidified how I felt about the movie. Then we get a text message from Kevin. And I, I truthfully, if I had to put a bet down on how Kevin would feel about Aquaman, I would have thought he would be all in with us on it. And he did not like it one bit. Well, no, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. All right. It's not like it one bit. I'm selling I, it too. Okay. I didn't love it like you guys did. Okay. I, well, I, I wouldn't even go as far as saying I loved it. Like I liked it quite a bit. And I think. How many stars did you give it? Awesome. Like, I, I, there were, here's what I'll tell you. There were some moments that were. Uh, like it's astounding just the visuals i just thought were like the the, the the battle sequence at the end i thought was amazing it's got some major glaring issue amber heard yes. is just horrible and there are moments where the script does not help her at all because some of the lines that she gets are really bad uh it's got some major script issues that needed an overhaul and she was just i mean but there and again amber heard was inherited from Zack snyder james wanted sure. nothing to do with that well um, so is momoa I, yeah i thought momoa true. was good casting so, yeah momoa was great um, yeah. I really liked it. I mean, Tishon, I, I, I do out of t- I usually do out of 10 on the air. Um, so okay. I'd give it a seven out of 10, which is a three okay. and a half. Yeah. So it's yeah. literally the same. So, so yeah, I don't think not as good as Wonder Woman. Definitely not as good as Man of Steel. I love Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, okay. but a hell of a lot better of, than Justice League, which I hated. I hated Justice League. Justice League made me angry. Uh, uh so I, I mean, I, I, I liked it, but I wouldn't say I loved it. I would put it above BVS also, and I know that Kevin disagrees with that. Mm, I think I disagree with that. I, I, I think, I mean, but I like BVS more than most people. Um, yeah, and I, when once the movie comes out, I will delve into more of my issues because I don't, I don't know what. Um, I, and the movie yeah, this is spoiler movie. free. This one's yeah. spoiler free. So. I, I, um, I had issues with the movie, and I will delve into those deeper later on. But I, and I'm going again on Saturday. My wife. Um, is doing we're doing some Christmas meetup with her friends and that's one, that's the that's the meetup place we're going so I'm seeing it again. Um, Did you I, see it in IMAX? Did they oh, show it to you in the IMAX in theater? One of the best IMAX theaters in the country, uh, okay. Lincoln Square, uh, the eight story okay. IMAX in New York. Um, nice. And the IMAX scenes are amazing. I mean, I, I love Momoa in the role. Um, the sound of it, dude. The tridents clashing. Yeah. The sound. Uh, uh, I mean, I thought it was thunderous. I will say this. So, Ooh, if, if we're looking thunderous. at DCEU. Um, yeah. I rank, rank them. First of all, Man of Steel is by far the best movie in the in the DCU. I saw a tweet saying that Aquaman More was than the Wonder best. Woman. No, DCEU. no, Man of Steel is better than than Wonder Woman. So I go Man of Steel. Man of Steel <laughs> is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Uh, then I go B. Then I go BVS Ultimate Edition, not theatrical Ultimate Edition. Okay. Then I go Wonder Woman. Uh, then I go Justice League. Then oh, I go man. this. Oh, you think man. Justice League is better than Aquaman? Dude, Justice League is a yeah. bad movie. But then Justice Suicide is Squad crap. is way. See, Justice here's League the is thing. crap. I, like, dude, I forget that Suicide Squad even exists. <laughs> I did too. Until it's, you it's, like it. the, it's like the Welcome to Marwin of the DCEU. I just oh, forget that. I forget that it exists. I, I think I think Aquaman is <laughs> an interesting movie, um, and I and I know that doesn't sound so great. I think there's oh, great, that word's usually negative. There's good things about it, um, but I'm oh, gonna God. reserve my critical elements until we dive into a deeper discussion on Aquaman. I, right, well, I just can you give a star I did, rating? I did not love Aquaman. I did not. Well, Aquaman doesn't love you, so there you go. <laughs> okay, can you give a star rating to it? I'm gonna hold off on my star rating until I see it okay. again. All right, that's a five. All right, uh, we're going to move on to this week's blend game. He, he didn't um, uh, negate that. We're, we're having some fun by blowing out the topic uh, this week. We're not going after a specific director or a specific 
actor or actress, um, we are doing sequel blend, and we have not had a response oh on my social God, media. My phone has been blowing <laughs> up all day. Yeah, 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 which is great. I mean, I love when people play along on social. Um, I think a lot of people. I wonder how many of those answers were best, not favorite. Um, because I saw a lot of Godfathers and uh, Empire Strikes Backs. And it, yeah, it might be their favorite. I don't think people really specified 100%. I bet um, all three of us have different answers. Oh, I think all three of us have different answers. Gabe, in this instance, and I don't care how long we're going, I think we know enough about each other that we get to guess this time. Yeah, Gabe is thinking about it. He says yes. Okay, so I get to go first. You guys knowing what you know about me, what do you, you think my You're the hard pick. one to peg for me. I feel like I've got I feel like I've got Kevin's by a mile. Sean's is going to be Toy Story this, 2. The second half of Forrest Gump. <laughs> well, so Sean seems Does to he think die in that, that part. I'm I'm the, genuinely saying Toy Story 2. It's not. It's not Toy Story 2, but that's but a good you, guess. You though. said it was the best. I do like it a lot. By the way, like we've had this discussion on the sh- on the show a million times about um Kill Bill. Yeah. But Sean's, I can't. I can't. I can't yeah. get into this. We're not going to get into that. It. But Sean's <laughs> argument is that it's like talking Bill politics at the Thanksgiving Day table. Wait, I, just, I can't let, get into it. Let me clarify my point that I'm making, though. Yeah. Uh, Sean's argument is that Kill Bill is two movies. Jake and I think it's one movie because we're right. Um, and then on top of that, so the point being that I'm making is because he thinks Kill Bill is two movies, and only Kill Bill Two is a second half of Kill Bill. Yeah. That any movie can be divided into two parts. So technically. Vice, the second half of second of Vice, could be your favorite movie. Second but you favorite can't say time. why. You can't say why yeah, you're yeah, saying don't, that yeah, bit. Don't, don't, yeah, don't. Uh, you can't don't, do don't that. Or, or, it's too or, soon. Um, or uh, Despicable Me, the second half of that movie. Whatever, whatever, any movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying Vice for any specific reason. I'm well, saying we're that not. Any gonna, like, I can't. Movies. No, we can't go down this route as much as people want us to go down this route. Okay. Okay. It needs to have. A, it needs to have a second opening credits. If there's Dave's a second opening credits, Dave is bleeding like Kill Bill Two has from his eyes. Uh, my pick is Back to the Future Part 2. I almost Ooh. picked that for you. I almost picked that one. for you. That's I a really good love one. Back to the Future Part 2. I, I mean, I think I've made the argument Back to the Future, the Back to the Future trilogy is my favorite trilogy of all time on this show. I'm pretty sure at some point I've said that. Um, and I love the Western one also. It's not quite as strong as the other ones. But the the structure for two, first of all, people have made the argument that the first Back to the Future is, is a perfect screenplay. Uh, and I think it is the way that they set up the clock tower in the opening bit, uh, the way that everything Marty sort of learns in present day informs what he needs to know in the past. Uh, you basically pick up every valuable piece of information that you need. There's nothing wasted in, of course, the entire thing to the point where like they tease the mayor, Goldie, and you meet him when he's, you know, a janitor at the diner that Marty's in. There's just no wasted line. Uh, I wish the Mecca's was making movies like that because it sounds like Marwin's not quite as good as Back to the Future. But then when they come up with the structure for two, it one ended on a tease and I don't think that they necessarily knew they were going to make more back to the future movies, but then it was so successful that they had to. And they wisely built themselves into no Marty. We have to go into the future because it's your kids. That's a problem, right? Which is an amazing cliffhanger where you'd be like, even if they didn't finish it, it would just be like, Oh, isn't that so fun? Like their adventures are going to continue. And now they're going to the future. So they go into the future, but then once they're there and I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't know, they figure out a way to go back into the first movie And that, again, and I say this often, in 99.9% of the times that someone tried to do that, it would fall on its face miserably, and you would be like, whoa, way too ambitious, you guys bit off more than you could chew. They make it work in a way that it makes the first movie more exciting, (laughs) 
and uh, and they figure out new ways to weave Mar- Marty through it. The technology is right where it needed to be that the two Martys can interact with each other at the Enchanted and the Sea Dance. It sets up the uh, third part and to me is just such an incredible sequel that uh, since we're picking favorites and not bests, the rewatchability factor, which we always talk about with favorites, if Back to the Future 2 is on as I'm flipping through channels, the remote gets thrown into another room and I watch the, the entire bit. So. I'm a two guy. I'm a two Back to the Future fan too. I love the second one. I think it's, I, oh. I actually like the second one better than the first one. But, and, and, and it's funny because I, I, I did the Welcome to Marwin Junket this weekend and, and um, there's a, I'm not, again, not spoiling anything, but there's a, uh, because it's Robert Zemeckis' movie, there is references, are references to Back to the Future in Marwin. I won't say what they are, but there are. Um, so I ended up asking the whole cast, like their favorite Back to the Future film, and everyone pretty much said one, including Steve Carell. But it is, I I think, I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing. I loved two. Two, to me, was just, it's more energetic. It it, it, it play. It, it, I think it enhances everything that was great in one and makes it better. But I also love three. Yeah. I love yeah. Back to the Future three. Um, so I, I think you can go back choice. through one of our old episodes and don't, I think we have a Back to the Future trilogy versus Star Wars trilogy somewhere in our old episodes. It's, it's I don't remember which Star one, Wars. but I remember having this one. I think it's better than Star Wars. I'm uh, <laughs> It is. Oh. No, but wait, Jake, Jake gets Jake, to go next. Jake, just take it in, Jake. Back to the Future is better than Star Wars. My God. And I want to no. guess Jake. So I agree with that. Wrong. Yes, I agree. And so with is Lord of the Rings. Well, oh my no, God. No. Back to the Future is better than Lord of the Rings, and everything is better than Lord of the Rings. Oh my God. This podcast just lost all so of its bad. credibility. Lord of the Jake Rings is gets so to bad. go next. Oh, it's terrible. It's unwatchable. Lord of the Rings is bad. It's horrible. It's um, okay, well, this is fun because for a sequel blend, I chose The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I know you did. That's I wanted to guess that. I knew you did. Because it is my favorite sequel and well, I we're not the best saying sequel. Star Wars is bad. We're just no, saying we Back to the Future is better. That's all. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. great. That's all we're saying. Right. I love yeah, Star Wars. Tell us why it's, it's your favorite. It's Tell us it's why fine. it's your favorite. It's my favorite because it takes <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time and does the impossible. It makes it better. Everything yeah. about The Empire Strikes Back is better. The planets that they visit are far more interesting. The characters uh, start developing deeper shades of grayness about them. And the first film, the original and The New Hope, everyone sort of fits this archetype uh, of sort of the classic uh, uh, westerns and, and space operas that, that George Lucas grew up with. And then the second one acknowledges, okay, yeah, that's fun at the beginning – but people are more complicated than that. No one is all good. No one is all bad. Things – the world exists in this gray area. And to take what was this fun, almost fantasy made for children and then bring in this shroud of darkness about it, bring in this this uh, really kind of this ability – I mean we're, we're talking at a time where movies like that did not end big – blockbusters did not end on down notes they did not yeah. end with with cliffhangers in which our heroes were mutilated and the and the and the bad guys won and our yeah. hero you know where where our heroes were left and i mean keep in mind now now we we see han get in carbonite and we get frozen in carbonite and we think okay it's fine he gets out of it but for three years no one knew what was going to happen to Han? I mean, there was a there was a time. I mean, there were. Dude, I mean, we, imagine a three year gap after Infinity War. Oh my! Right? Yeah, yeah. Like we're getting Endgame the yeah. following year. Exactly, but it's very, very similar. similar. And that's yes. and that's why people refer to to Infinity War as the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, yeah. anytime you talk about a sequel that is bigger, better, and oftentimes darker than the original, what do you call it? You call it the Empire Strikes Back of fill in the blank, and that's because very that true. is the best and my favorite sequel of all time. That is the answer. Screw you guys and back in the future. 
And that, <laughs> Kevin that also brings up a great point uh, about uh, Aquaman, because Aquaman's favorite director of all time is James Hahn. <laughs> it's like you're not even trying anymore. <laughs> like, like, don't do them if you're not going to try. <laughs> uh, Kevin gets to go next, Dave, and all, th- all three of us need to say it at the same time. <laughs> Kevin's choice for sequel blend is three, two, one, T2, Judgment Day. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's the only choice that matters. Wait, did anything come close? Could anything top it? That's it? That's the be all end all? Terminator 2 is the ultimate sequel. Yes. Uh, Where else, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, do you have a character or an actor who played a villain in the first one come back as a good guy? Well, I'm going to argue that T2, because we've talked about T2 a lot on the show. T2 does, for that franchise, a lot of what Back to the Future 2 did for the for the Back to the Future franchise. It yeah. took the original and made you look at it in a completely different way. Yeah. I mean, and, listen, and, and improved the story because of that. But at least I mean, Kevin and I picked sequels that are better than the originals. Wait a second. Uh, but, but how do you perfect Back to the Future? Come on. You That's don't. Not, you can't. I know. I agree you can't. Not but, a lot of franchises that get better as they go on. That's a hard thing to talk about. Terminator That's, 2 is, I mean, it's the movie, I, it's the reason I do what I do. I mean, it, it, yeah. it changed my life. I mean, that, it's, that it's, it's a default movie for me because it's everything that I love about movies was in that film. I mean, like, I, I've i literally interviewed uh, James Cameron for Avatar and only, and, and just randomly brought up random scenes from T2, questions that I've wanted to know since I was eight years old. Yeah, about like how the T one thousand came out of that ground and became that 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 twin police officer, security officer. <laughs> um, that movie is. By the way, Brad Fidel, the, the guy who did the score for T two and also True Lies. I don't I don't know what happened to him. I want to look up where where he's been. But the True Lies score and the T two score T two score is just one of the almost iconic scores of it's all time. Iconic, yes, it, is, it really is. Yeah, and it's trends. also a great use of an opening credits, like just that, like that fiery face coming up on screen. That movie jumps genres all over the place. There's comedy in there. There's horror in there. That whole sequence of her, of Linda Hamilton on the fence as the bomb goes off is so yeah. horrifying. Oh, horrifying. That is really. And then, and the, yeah. Also, I mean, it flips in a, in a way too. Not only does it flip Arnold's role, it flips her role. Yeah. From, from the Dude. you know damsel in distress pursuant in a horror movie to the badass warrior that she is in Judgment Day. How, how much weight does that elevator sequence have when when he walks off as she's slowly taking that corner and sl- yeah. she's wearing her that that that, that white uh, shirt and she's like sliding into the the elevator area as he comes off with the shotgun yeah, and yeah. just that slow mo. No! And then, like, and, it, and then, God, I, I could literally every scene in that movie is perfect. And then the yeah. way it's shot, the tint of it, like that bluish, metalish tint to it. Yeah. Um. And oh, I mean, I, 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 to this day, when he, when Arnold walks into that bar in the beginning, and throws that guy onto the onto the onto the to the stove in the back of that bar, and he, I always feel the burns on my head and your boots. Yeah. <laughs> T- take it, take it. Um, no, I can quote every. But anyways, that movie, uh, and it also just it makes me cry so hard at the end when he's when he's when he's l- lowered down into that into that, the molten steel, whatever that is, yeah. uh, and he gives a thumbs up. 
I still to this day wish that James Cameron kept in the smile scene, which is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, but thankfully it exists on the extended edition, which is great. Um, it's one of my favorite scenes of all time watching Arnold do that fake smile. It's so great. Um, but what a, what a movie. Every yeah. performance, Robert Patrick, everybody is amazing in that movie. Well, Tiffany Edwards agreed with you in our audience pick. Tiffany Edwards said Terminator 2. Uh, someone named Midwest Met went with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And Brandon Moore went with one that I think all three of us would absolutely agree with, uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Which is, Great yeah, one. Which is a movie that just completely yeah. improves on, on its uh, predecessor. So yeah. for next week, we are going to be uh, playing one that's kind of going along with what we're doing. So for next week, it's our last episode of the year. Uh, we're going to save our 50th episode for the beginning of 2019. That'll be our first episode in January. So we all get to do our, the three of us get to do our year-end lists. We're going to do our top tens for 2018. And so we want you to play along with that. We're going to do hashtag 2018 blend, where everybody's going to tell us what your favorite film of 2018 is. We'll give our lists, and then we'll talk about a lot of people's picks for their favorite films of 2018. So use the hashtag Hashtag 2018 blend. You can also let us know via email at realblend at cinemablend.com and Gabe will get your selections and then we can talk about them on the show. So that's fun. Rem- yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yes, Kevin. Before I go, um, the reason I didn't get my Aquaman rating, by the way, is I didn't know that the embargo had officially, officially lifted. I just yeah. checked my email and I, and I looked and the embargo did lift. So my rating for the film at the moment is a two and a half out of five. So I, I didn't want to not give it and seem weird. I, I just thought that we were still under embargo. So there's my rating okay. is a two and a half. <laughs> what I hear when he says that is I was going to let you guys do something that you weren't supposed to do, but no, I wasn't no. going to do it. <laughs> no. You guys, I was totally okay with you guys go ahead no. and screwing yourself over, but I was not going to do it. That's not what I'm saying. So sometimes, and you guys know this, uh, my reps have different embargoes than Chicago or Charlotte. Uh, I've seen reviews drop. I thought thought an embargo was an embargo. Happens all the time. I've seen reviews drop in different cities, and then I'll email my rep and go, can I review it? And they'll go, no, there's an embargo. Um, So I thought I was under embargo. I wasn't. Like maliciously sitting here letting letting you guys review a movie. I, I just I just didn't know that I could give my rating yet, which is why I didn't give it. So two and a half. Next five. week, in addition to giving our top ten reviews, uh, we will have a spoiler free review of Mary Poppins Returns. So you're gonna want to be here for that one. Uh, you this said it's is our than The Godfather, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, I said it was the greatest sequel ever made. Okay, Mary Poppins Returns. I just couldn't. I couldn't give it as my choice for sequel blend because I'm under embargo. So I had to wait <laughs> one more week. One week and next week I'll amend my choice from Back to the Future Two to Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, this is our last Facebook Live. So uh, if you're watching us on the feed, thank you again for tuning in for 48 episodes. We are going to be transitioning over to all of our downloads. Officially, you can get us everywhere podcasts are served. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and all those different places. Follow us on social media. We are at Real Blend. You can find the guys at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Of course, head over to iTunes and drop us a review. We really appreciate the people who are uh, listening to us on Androids and trying to figure out how to give us reviews on iTunes. We uh, we love the fact that you guys are going that extra step to do that for us. Of course, um, every you leave us a star rating and a review. It helps us grow out the show. We will be back next week for our final episode of 2018. We're going to give all of our top 10 lists. Um, I know that we have uh, wildly different selections. I kind of have an idea where people are going at the top, but we'll be back next week with another show. So tune in then. And until then, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. And solo name scene. Dunkirk. <laughs> Dunkirk. Hey, Sean, Dunkirk.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.